Well, welcome to our Equip and Disciple services. I'm Kat, and this is Pastor Ben. How are you, Pastor Ben? <laughs> is that the Relentless crew in here? Yeah, I think that's the kids over there. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> guys. Well, tonight <laughs> we are concluding our I Was Wondering series. And so what we've been doing for the past two Wednesdays, in case you weren't here, we, were, we accepted questions from all of you and answered them. Pastor Sheldon answered them the past two weeks. We tried to get, we couldn't get through all of them. Yeah. Uh, so he tried to get through as many as possible. And then we decided to take a twist on things and ask the kids from children all the way through the teens um, for their questions on what they have about church or God or the Bible, things like that. But uh, before we get into that, actually, I was supposed to ask you to explain to everybody uh, Wednesdays, Wednesday night <clears throat> equip and disciples service. Why is it so different from our Sundays? Like, um, how is it different, actually? Because it comes after Sunday. <laughs> no, nah, okay, well, thank well, you. Unless you come Wednesday and then it comes before Sunday. Now, anyway, the reason why actually why uh, our Sunday morning services are different from our Wednesday night services is our Wednesday night services are called our equip and disciple services. And so if you notice when you walked in, you got a, you got a bulletin, but there were no fill in the blanks. You have to actually take your own notes. And the reason is because on Wednesday nights, we like to go a little bit deeper. We like to go a little bit more, uh, uh, best way I can say is meaty. Sunday mornings are more geared for, our, for new people, for those who have maybe never been to church or are just visiting or uh, kind of trying to check it out. And so that's what we gear our Sundays, everything we do on Sundays, for new people. And so that's the difference between Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights. Okay, because so that was one of the that. questions too. Yeah. Okay, so we took a spin on this and we started asking the younger generation some questions. You want to elaborate yeah. on that? And so I, I just want to share tonight, what we're actually going to do is we're actually going to read, I'm going to actually share answers from questions that some of our kids and our youth had. And you might be sitting here going, well, that's kids and youth, but how does it relate to me? I'm, I'm an adult. And so here's what the Bible says in Mark 10, 14 to 15. When Jesus saw what was happening, he was angry with his disciples. He said to them, let the children come to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. And so although this, this evening we might go over some really easy questions, I think sometimes what happens is we actually make it harder because we try to justify, we overcomplicate it, when the, when the Bible actually says that we're supposed to have that childlike faith, if you ask a child why the sky is blue, they're going to just tell you because it's blue. And so in the same way tonight, although we're going to share some answers, there are going to be a lot that do relate to us, not just the younger generation. So I just wanted to share that. Okay, you ready? Yep. Okay. We're going to start off the first question from somebody who was age seven. And it says... How many chapters and uh, well, how many chapters are in the Bible? How many chapters are, are there in the Bible? So I actually counted it today. <laughs> that's what took my message. So that's what took so long today. Uh, there's actually, believe it or not, there's 1,189 chapters in the Bible. There are also 31,173 verses. 
and approximately 807,361 words. Thank the Lord I didn't really have to count them. Oh, I was going to say, did you count <laughs> as you were reading one? No. In the beginning, one, two, yeah. three. I would have lost count after 20. <laughs> okay, well, thank you for that. Your kids, they wanted facts. It was so funny. They had some really yeah. adorable questions, and I wish we could answer them all. I had a huge stack, but we had to, otherwise we'd be here till midnight. So, okay, our next question is from somebody who is four. Four years old. Four. How come God is invisible? How come God is invisible? Woo! <laughs> Believe it or not, I went, I went, I, 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 oh, this one was hard, actually. And so in John 5, 37, it says this, And the Father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. You have never heard his voice nor seen him form. And so how come God is invisible? Well, it actually, it actually says, uh, also in John 4, 24, that God is spirit. And his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. And so the reason why God is invisible is because the reality is uh, no man has ever seen God. Even in the Bible when it talks about Moses and uh, Jacob, they didn't, when the, when the Bible says face to face, it doesn't mean the same thing as seeing the face of God. And so, uh, but here's how God isn't invisible. Because in John 1.14 it says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And then it continues in John 14, 16, 17. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. And so I think the simplest answer is this. God isn't invisible when he's alive in you. So let your kids know that, that God is visible in our lives when we receive Jesus. Okay. See, came from a four-year-old child, y'all. Okay, here mm. we go. Next one. Why is the Bible real? Why is the Bible real? Because our God is real. That's why. No. Nah. Uh, actually, oh. why is the Bible real? Um, because historical manuscripts and there's actually archaeological discoveries that help provide evidence of events that took place in the Bible. But then, uh, here's where it says in Romans 1, 18 to 21. It says, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness, since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. And so what this scripture is actually saying is that the Bible is real because really God is real. God put it in our hearts when we were created that he is real. And along the way, we lose sight of that. And so there's, I know I said, why, the, why is the Bible real? Well, like I said, there's actually historical documents and archaeological finds that actually support what the text says. But then if you take it one step further, the Bible is real because God is real. Does that make sense? Amen. Amen. Yeah. 
This must be from, um, I think, an older teen or a teen because I didn't have the age over here. But it says, does God make bad things happen to someone who has made bad choices? Have fun with that one. <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys think? I think um, a lot of times, we'll, you know, the truth is not just kids feel that way, right? I think a lot of times also adults will feel that way, that bad things happen because I did something bad. And when we look at scripture, that's totally untrue because in Deuteronomy 30, 19, it says this, This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. And I love that scripture because it actually shows that God gives us a choice. We can either do what's going to give us life or we can do things that's going to give us death. And so does God make bad things happen? No, it's our choices. If we choose to put our hand on the hot stove, it's not God that says your hand's going to burn. It's the stove telling you it's hot and your hand is going to burn. And so, yeah, God doesn't make bad things happen to someone who made bad choices. We, we make those choices and that's, that's what happens. And then as adults, we go, why, God, yeah. why? And yeah. we actually are the ones that made the, the choices, right? Okay, what is the hardest part about keeping your faith? See, like I said, these are, these are not easy questions. This is from our youth, actually. Uh, I think, that, to be honest and real, the hardest part about keeping our faith is when bad things happen, when things happen in our lives. In fact, uh, John 16, 33 says it like this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. And so... I think there's also an, an additional part to that question. It's if you lose faith, how do you regain it? So if you lose faith, how do you regain it? And there's five ways. And the first one is pray. First John 5.14 says this. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. The second thing is be grateful. Romans 8.28. And we know that in all things, God works for the, the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So if you're taking notes, the first one is pray. The second one is be grateful. The third one is fellowship with believers. Because Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Uh, the fourth way is be equipped in the word. 2 Timothy 3, 16, all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. And my favorite is number five, remember his grace. For by, his great, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. And so if you ever, the hardest part of keeping faith is when bad things happen in your lives. But the really greatest thing is in scripture it actually says that even when we were faithless, God remains faithful. So, yeah. Amen. How do you stay in a relationship with God and a relationship with your girlfriend or boyfriend? Hey, that's my favorite question. That's, that's the one I wanted for answer. Because I hear it all the time. Oh, Pastor Orban, I, I, love, my, I love God, but I love my boyfriend, girlfriend. Oh, and, ah, and all that. And so, uh, so, the best, I think the best answer I can, I, I, the Bible gives us is this. Uh, how do you stay in a relationship with God and a relationship with your girlfriend or boyfriend? Uh, 
Exodus 23, the very first commandment says, you shall have no other gods before me. So if your boyfriend or girlfriend is being a god before God, your relationship's going to get rocky and it's, gonna, it's not going to be worth it. For real. Also, if you're like a teenager, you shouldn't be having a boyfriend or girlfriend, just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. But yeah, but on a serious note, don't have no gods before God, for real. Yeah. You know who you are over there. You know, you know, see you guys. <laughs> oh, you just got the vote from everybody else. <laughs> All the parents. All right. How are some ways to overcome depression? Hmm. Yeah, you know, I think this is a, this is a real one. Um, like I shared on Sunday, you know, for just, you know, for the next generation. And they know because we did a series on it, you know, a lot of times the word depression comes up and we don't know what to do with it. And uh, it's a very real thing, especially not, well, not just in the lives of the next generation, but in everyone's life. Because I know I've, I've dealt with depression. Um, and so here's my, fr- here's, the, here's the first thing. I didn't put it in my notes, but. Uh, for real, some ways to overcome depression, if it is a medical thing, seek medical help. That's, that's one big one that I think a lot of times we don't address. If it's a medical condition, seek medical help. Uh, but then the Bible also gives us outlines on how to overcome depression. And the first one is this, cry out to God. If you look in the book of Psalms, uh, Psalms isn't just written by David. There's many other writers. One of them is Asaph. And Asaph actually experienced depression. And so there's a lot of psalms that he actually writes about dealing with depression. And so in Psalm 77, verses 1 to 3, it says, I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands, and I would not be comforted. I remembered you, God, and I groaned. I meditated, and my spirit grew faint. So Asaph, he actually, the first thing he actually did was he cried out to God. And then the second thing he did was he refocused his thoughts. Uh, He continues in verse 4 to 6. You kept my eyes from closing. I was too troubled to speak. I thought about the former days, the years of long ago. I remembered my songs in the night. My heart meditated and my spirit asked. So whenever we face depression, the first thing is cry out to God because he hears us. And then also the second is refocus our thoughts. Because a lot of times... The Bible actually says whatever you dwell on, that's where you're going to go. So the Bible says dwell on what is good. And then the third thing is, and this is super important, that we worship the Lord. Because it continues in, in, in verses 13 through 14. Your ways, God, are holy. What God is as great as our God? You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. See, something I just heard recently is this. Worship and worry cannot coexist. It's impossible to focus on the presence of God and your problem at the same time. Because our hearts can't be filled with fear and filled with God at the same time. That's why worship is so important. Worship actually can help us get out of depression, get out of funk, because it brings God in and it elevates God to who he really is above all. So those are just some ways to help overcome depression. I know there's much more, but... Those are three easy ways. I've heard pastors talk about that. You know, when they go through their everyday lives and they come across something and they just 
they start worshiping. Yep. They just start worshiping l the Lord, and it just fills them, and it does something, you know, and, and I love that, that, yeah. that it cannot exist in the same, at the same time. Yeah, I mean, try, try, try next time, if you ever feel down or anything, try, start singing a worship song. Mm. And watch what happens to your spirit. Your spirit starts to, there's something that takes place because it's not just singing a song. You're actually declaring who God is. And when you declare who God is, you also then tell everything else what falls beneath him. So, yeah. I remember when my husband and I first started coming to church and we walked in and then everybody started worshiping and singing. And we were like fighting, like arguing on our way to church, which seems so silly, but... Hey, I know I'm not the only ones, okay, that have argued on the way to church, okay? But we came in here, and then the worship songs are going, and then I was just like, I'm so mad, I'm so mad. But then you start singing, and slowly, you just, it just starts going away, and then you're just like praising God, praising God. And then, yeah, you cannot hold on to that anger. It starts fading away, and then at the end, it's like, okay, I don't like you very much, but I still love you, yeah. you know? It's kind of like that. But you're right, it cannot exist yeah, no. in the same place. For real. Okay, so being truthful, okay, and completely honest and transparent. So there's this one time where my heart got broken from a girl. Okay? For the you, this is for you guys to listen to, okay? And so I remember uh, I was wrecked. I was wrecked. I mean, I liked, I really liked this girl, and then she ended up not liking me the same way. Broke my heart, and so I was sad, and you know, uh, when you're sad, everything else seems sad, right? And so I turn on K-Love, and, and I'm listening because I'm like, you know, I like listening to positive, encouraging K-Love. And so, and so I'm listening to it, and then this, this song comes on, and it's held by, I think, by Natalie Grant. And this one, this is what it is to be held. I'm listening to it, I'm crying, boogers coming out of my nose. I'm bawling because I'm like, <laughs> but sure enough, though, like, after that, I started, I started, that allowed me for real. <laughs> I mean, I started to realize, wait, this, God, God is going to be the one that holds me during this time. And so eventually I got over it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it started with worship, for real. So the song was held. Yeah, held. I thought you said hell. So I was like... <laughs> Right? No, it was That's what I was held. like, what? This is what it means to be held. <laughs> okay, 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 like, okay. Thank you for, yeah. okay, clarifying Now you guys know a little bit more. Here you go. Alrighty then. <laughs> now, this is a question that came from a child. However, I've had adults, I've heard adults ask this question, yep. and an adult asked you this question. Do animals go to heaven? <laughs> All the pet lovers in here are like, please say yes, please say yes. Don't you say no. Uh, well, I, uh, well, believe it or not, in the Bible, it does say, I mean, if you read in Revelation, there's a lot of very vivid descriptions of animals being discussed in heaven. Uh, but here's, here's where I got, I got asked uh, from someone, oh, so my, da my dog died. Does that mean he's going to be with me in heaven? And... The best I can say it is found in, the best I can say that the scripture says it is in Isaiah 65, 17, 18. It says, For be, behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered or come to mind, but be glad and rejoice forever in what I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem as a rejoicing, and her people a joy. And so my answer to you for all of you pet lovers who absolutely love your pets, 
the best way I think that the, I think the answer that the Bible actually says is whatever God creates in heaven will far be greater than anything here, including your pets. Because whatever God, whatever God, whatever, let me like, so wait, he didn't answer the question. Is that a yes or no? <laughs> uh, and so I cannot give you a yes or no because there is no yes or no question, uh, answer in the Bible. But what I can say is that, uh, listen, God knows, God knows what's very best for us. And what I love about the fact is that when we get to heaven, whatever he creates is going to give us so much joy. So there you go. Take that as, because I'm looking at, oh, I cannot wait till I get to heaven and get one tiger or lion. Yeah! Because that will give me great joy. But watch me be wrong. I'm going to have one turtle. <laughs> But to somebody else's heaven, hey, right? Yeah. They were. I always yeah. wanted a turtle, yeah. right? See, I, so, yeah, I'm sorry. There's no yes or no answer to that one. But the greatest thing is that God is going to create, what in the new heavens and new earth, he's going to create something that's going to keep us to rejoice. So, yeah. Okay. Four-year-old person asked, what does God like? Strawberry ice cream. <laughs> Nah, he really likes Colby. I'm just saying. <laughs> he really likes Colby. I'm just saying. That's why I love it so much. Uh, so what does God like? Uh, oh, that can be taken so many ways. Mm-hmm. But I, I think the best, the best answer to that is actually found in Deuteronomy 10, 12 and Mark 12. And so Deuteronomy 10 says, And now Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And Mark 12, 30 to 31, we know it as the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, love your, nub, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So what is God like? God actually loves it when you and I love him and we love others. That's what he really likes. And when you love others and bring them strawberry ice cream, he loves that. Just saying. <laughs> yeah. Another four-year-old asked, why does God love me? Because you're so cute. You asked that question. Right? <laughs> why does, I mean, and some people, they come in, a lot of adults walk in here, and we're talking about God's unconditional love, God's grace, God loves you, God loves you just where you're at. And then a child has the courage to ask Why? You know, we actually shared about this on Sunday, and uh, the Bible defines it like this. First John 4, it says, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. And then in First John 4, 16, it says, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. And so why does God love me? Why does God love you? Because that's who he is. That's the most simplest answer. And if you're here on Sunday, I shared that's who God is. God is love. He doesn't need a reason to love you. He just does. So, yeah. Why is praying every day and night important? It's so funny because they ask these wonderful questions and then they still ask, how many pages are in the Bible? Like, <laughs> so many kids want to know. I don't know why. Like, how many pages are in the Bible? How many chapters? Like, repeatedly, a lot of them yeah. ask about the Bible. So, parents, that's something for you to take home or to know about your children, that they're asking these questions so you can 
answer them at home too. I think they're asking for the pages how long because it's like the shortest Bible. That's why. <laughs> I just I'm serious. Because they hear us saying, "You got to read the Bible. Got to yeah. read the Bible." Like yeah. all, all the whole Bible. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so why is praying every day and night important? First uh, Thessalonians five sixteen to eighteen says, "Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances." For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So why is praying every day and every night important? It's important because it allows for a relationship to be built with Jesus. And we also got to understand that prayer isn't a one-way communication line. Prayer is actually two ways. Yes, we ask the Lord, but then we also listen to what he wants to share with us. So, yeah. Okay. This is a three-part question, but you can answer any of them. What does all of the stories lead up to? Okay. <laughs> Let's see. What yeah. does all the stories lead up to? Yeah. Because it says, what does all the stories lead up to? How many people, they always want to know how many this and how many that. It's so cute. How many people wrote the Bible? Why did they write the Bible? Yeah. Things like that. But you can answer. So what does all the stories lead up to? They all lead up to Jesus. Five, John 5.39. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them... You have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. So what does all the stories lead up to? It, it leads up to Jesus and him wanting a relationship with us. What is the second question? How, How many, many people, people wrote the Bible? So, interesting fact, uh, about 40 main contributors actually penned the Bible. And why did they write the Bible? Uh, 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17. All scripture is God-breathed. And, you, and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So the reason why they wrote the Bible is because... Wait, hold on. Actually, I have... They actually, so the reason why they actually wrote the Bible is because uh, it's actually for relationships, equipping, and fighting back. Because if you look in John 15, 7, it says, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. So that's relationship. Like I just read, 2 Timothy 3, 16, that's actually for equipping. So that's why we read the Bible, is to equip us for everyday life. And then the third one is Hebrews 4, 12, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates to the, even, even, to the dividing, even to dividing soul and spirit, Joints and marrow, it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And so that's why we read the Bible. It's so that we have a relationship with the Lord, that he equips us. Every day as we read it, it helps equip us for our lives. And then when the enemy comes or things happen, we know how to fight back. If you actually remember, if you know in the Bible, uh, when Jesus was tempted by Satan, Satan actually used scripture against Jesus. He actually quoted things from the Old Testament. But then Jesus came back with scripture as well. And so that's why it's important for us to read the Bible because it does those things. It builds a relationship, it equips us, and then it helps us fight back. So. Okay. You ready for? Yeah. Okay. You ready now? Yeah. A child asked this, okay? Why do little kids die? Why do little kids die? Uh, that hurts. Um, why do little kids die? Well, the most 
the realest answer I can give you is found in Genesis 3, and it's because we live in a fallen world. I mean, when, when Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit, uh, and Jesus, because the serpent deceived them, uh, God actually spoke and said that because of that, because of the sin, that we would no longer have the life we're supposed to have. And so why do little kids die? Because we live in a fallen world. Why do good people die? Because we live in a fallen world. Why do people die? Because we live in a fallen world. And so yeah, that's the answer. This five-year-old wants to know, how does God look like? What does his hair look like? <laughs> Us adults have wondered that too. I mean, it's so funny that these kids actually have the, the courage to ask though, and it seems it's okay. So, uh, so in Revelation 1, 13 to 16, um, John writes this as he, as he sees the vision. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. So I guess God has white hair. Awesome. I'm going to join him pretty soon with this white hair. Yeah. yeah. And this is good, too, because we're recording this service, and we're going to have it on, um, available on our app and our website and on YouTube. Um, if you feel like, you know, your child might want to hear some of this, you can watch it with them later. You know, by tomorrow, it should be uploaded and everything, okay? Why is it called a Bible? Man. <laughs> we made him work. We really made yeah, him. Yeah, like this, oh my count goodness. Count 867,000, what? Yeah. <laughs> Why is it called a Bible? So uh, the word Bible actually comes from the Greek word biblia, which means book. So yeah, that's a, that's okay. a fact. Sorry. Sorry, there's nowhere in the Bible where it says this is called the Bible. I, I actually looked for it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Can I ask this one? Which one? Oh. Yeah. Go ahead. Ask that question. Four-year-old adorable girl yeah. asked, where do the marks on Jesus' hands come from? So interestingly, this is my daughter, Caitlin, and her question which means apparently I didn't share this answer with her. So I'm going to share it now. Uh, <laughs> where do the marks on Jesus' hands come from? It comes from the nails he took on the cross. In fact, it says it in John 20, 20. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. So, yeah. Okay. I'm glad that you're bringing, that yep. you're letting us ask these questions because later on the parents can go and watch this. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Why? Oh, no, I asked you that one already. Okay. So, I have, so why do we, oh, no. Are there cars in heaven? All the guys are like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to refer back to that scripture that says whatever God is going to create in heaven is far greater than anything we can imagine. 
but shucks, I was gonna say, no, nah, I gotta have the cars because I don't like walk around. <laughs> but I'm gonna walk around in heaven. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I don't know. Sorry, believe it or not, I actually look for that. If you type in the word uh, cars, you can't find it in the Bible anywhere. Just letting you know. If you look for the word cars, uh, they'll just point you to donkeys and horses and other animals. <laughs> so, yeah. Maybe yeah. you're going to have horsepower cars, <laughs> and, right? Yeah. Okay, okay. One horsepower. <laughs> <sighs> How did the Bible spread all over the world? How did the Bible spread all over the world? Whew. Uh, so I think the first thing we have to understand is how the Bible actually got created. Um, and so the Old Testament was actually written, I believe, by the year 1400 B.C., around there, around the 1400 B.C. Um, but what happened was the Bible as we know it today went through a whole long process how did the Bible actually spread all over the world? It's because of the great commission that Jesus gave to his disciples that says, uh, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Because truthfully, in the, after Jesus ascended into heaven, uh, as the disciples went out, they didn't actually write it down. The greatest way they told stories was orally. And so they would tell each other. And finally, they started writing st stuff down. And so... Uh, yeah, I actually looked for that answer, and everything that, that I read pointed back to it spread once Jesus gave the Great Commission to go. So, yeah. Does Je did Jesus ever swim? Probably. Probably. But he definitely walked on water. <laughs> I'm going to guess he probably did. I'm thinking after baptism, he probably went swimming. I'm just, like how we go. After we get baptized at Coconut Island, you know, we go swimming. But. <laughs> okay, this is a serious question. Oh. Eight-year-old asked, did Jesus ever eat bologna? <laughs> These are your kids. <laughs> I love it. Did Jesus ever eat bologna? Seeing that he was a Jewish person, probably not. But he definitely ate tuna fish sandwiches. <laughs> Think about it. When he fed the 5,000, it was fish and bread. So he ate fish and bread. Okay. No bologna, though. I think this is my favorite question. We're going to round it out with this, I think. This okay. is like my favorite question out of all the questions. Six-year-old asked, what time does God go to New Hope? 7, 9, 11 a.m. on Sundays <laughs> and 6.30 p.m. on Wednesdays. And those are your questions from your kids. Yeah. I mean, is there any particular one that, did I skip any that you wanted to um, get to? No, I think we answered them all. Yeah? Yeah. Does God protect us? How? Did we answer that one? Does no, God didn't. protect us and how? So does God protect us how? Uh, well, he cares for our well-being, definitely. But uh, I like how it says in Psalms 23, 5, uh, you prepare a table for me, before me, in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. And so the greatest way, the, I love how, how David writes that because the vision I see or, the, or what I see David trying to relate to is that whatever stands 
before us, God is with us. He prepares us for it. So how does he protect us? He's our God. He's by our side, as, as we all know. Okay, one last one, and we have okay. time for this one. Does God watch you when you're naughty? All the parents. <laughs> you can go home tonight. Ah, Jesus watching you. <laughs> that means he's watching us. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> oh, that makes me think now. Um, so does God watch us when we're naughty? Well, Proverbs 15.3 says it like this. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. So the answer is yes. Yeah. That goes for us parents as yep. well, though. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, how many times, you know, we correct our kids, we, we teach them, we do that. And then something happens like, you know, you're driving in the car, somebody cuts you off, and you get mad, and they go, uh-uh-uh, mom, yeah. you're not supposed to get mad, yeah. right? You're supposed to pray for the other person, or, and I'm just like, yeah. I get scolded all the time from you. my girls. You I, get scolded yeah, from your kids. My, I get scolded all the time from my girls. They know. They tell me straight out. So that's why I love it, because they'll tell me, daddy, you're lying. <sighs> I was joking. I was playing around. <laughs> I know where your toys are. I was just joking. <laughs> I'm not lying. I'm just joking. Yeah. Okay. I don't want you to play with them right now. All yeah. right. Thank you, Pastor Ben, right for, for all of your answers and everything and hey, getting us through a lot of them. You know, as we, as we learn from, from your children, and this is a thing that I want to encourage you guys to do is ask your kids. You know, what kind of questions or have them write a bunch down so that you have time to do research or upload the video, you know, but have them watch it, you know, by tomorrow afternoon, it should be uploaded. You know, you can go to the app on our phone and, and watch it with your children and they may gain some insight, but also we forget, you know, like school, how they say, don't leave it to the teachers to teach our kids the ABCs or mm. the correct things. Same with the church. You know, we shouldn't leave it up to the church to teach our kids about the Lord because we are the church. Therefore, we should be teaching our kids more. So, I think the best part is, I mean, to be honest, if I didn't spend all day today trying to, come up, trying to find the answers for this, I really wouldn't have known a lot of it. And so I think the best thing I can say, too, is uh, let this be a moment for you to learn together with your kids because... Trust me, kids don't have to, kids won't care if you know all the answers, they'll, but they'll definitely care if you find them out together. If you spend time with them and you actually say, hey, let's, 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 let's find out together. And so, yeah, definitely I agree with that. And that's how we, we are with each other, you know, serving and learning together. So same with the children, with the family, is that we learn together. And they'll just love the time that they spend too, I think, right? Yeah. Okay. So can we give Pastor Ben a hand for doing his homework? <laughs> thank you, Kat. Can we say thank you to Kat for hosting these past three weeks? Thank you, Kat. It's been fun, and I've learned a lot as well. And like I said, you can always go to our app and our website and YouTube and, and look up, you know, some of the answers and things. And yeah. we're going to try and get something together. And if you don't watch it with your children, we're going to try and get the answers to them as yeah. well. Yeah. Well, thank you, Pastor Ben. Thank you, Kat.
Well, you know, it's interesting because, yeah, thank you, Cass, so much for all that you've done these past three weeks, hosting, asking those questions. Um, by the way, I've been told I have to clarify. So the girl I was actually crying over was Katie when my heart got broken and I had listened to the song. And look what happened years after. Yeah! <laughs> but, um, you know, I just want to say something as we end tonight. Uh, Hopefully, if you've been here for the last three weeks, uh, the truth is, it doesn't, the answers don't come from us pastors, Pastor Sheldon or, or myself. The answers we try to give you guys is all from the Bible. And, you know, one of the questions that the kids ask is, why is it important to read the Bible? And it's because that has a source of life. That's the source of life because it conveys our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to us. And that's the most amazing thing is that, you know, one of the jokes in, in Sunday schools is that for every question, Jesus is the answer. Why is the sky blue, Jesus? Why is this and that, Jesus? And that's not the way it's supposed to be, though. But as we search for Jesus, we find out all the answers to life. And that's the most amazing thing is that anytime we were left wondering what's going to happen, or what's the answer, we don't have to look that far. Because it's in him. You know, I've heard it said, and I love this, I love this saying, is because the truth is, you and I will never know all the answers in the world. But we definitely can know the one that does. And that's Jesus Christ, Amen. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Lord, we come before you tonight, Lord, and Lord, as we end this series on I Was Wondering, Lord, I pray that we don't have to wonder anymore because, Lord, you are the God of wonders. And so, Lord, anytime we face things in life, questions, concerns, worries, whatever it may be, Lord, we can find the answers in you. Lord, I pray for everyone here, Lord, that, that by your word, by your spirit, and by your love, that as we continue to live our lives, Lord, you would give us the answers we desperately need in life. That as we seek you and seek you first, you will reveal to us how it is to live our lives so that we glorify you. Lord, we live in a world where there's a lot of things happening. There's a lot of people saying things that's trying to make us think this isn't real or you're not real. The enemy is trying, but, but Lord, as long as we hold tight to you, we have nothing to fear. We have nothing to worry about because you're with us. Greater is he that is in us than he who is in the world. And so, Lord, I pray as we leave here tonight that we leave here not just educated with a little bit more of your word, but Lord, I pray that we would leave here tonight with the fullness of you, knowing that whatever questions come about, we can answer them because of who you are in our lives. Lord, we thank you, we love you, and we look forward to what you're going to do for the rest of our days. In Jesus' name we pray, and we all said,